Hello, and welcome to Once More with Commentary, a Buffy and Angel podcast. I'm I'm Ginny. I'm Allie. I'm so proud. This happens literally every time I do the intro. I'm like so happy that I remember to say Buffy and Angel, and then I forget to say my name. <laughs> but I love the deliberateness of and Angel. <laughs> and Angel. I remembered. Um, yeah. Yeah. This week we're talking about Wild at Heart in Buffy which was as good as I remembered it, if not better. I loved that episode. And then we're also going to talk about Sense and Sensitivity, which is a, like, I mean, I don't know your thoughts. <laughs> <laughs> it was an, I think it was an, I, an episode of Angel that had a lot of good ideas that didn't work. Somewhat embedded kind of to been a lot of angels. not staying awake during that episode, so I think yeah, that speaks to I its quality it. level. <laughs> well, I, admittedly, I was also just sleepy and on my comfortable couch. You guys heard about my new couch. It's comfortable, and now I fall asleep more Apparently um, dangerous for the podcast. Yeah. <laughs> we also had, like, steak for dinner. I was like, Alex, why am I so sleepy? And he was like, so you just ate all that steak. And I was like, oh, I guess. <laughs> it was also late, as I said. Did you have wine with the steak? Because that would no. do it, too. No. I had a mezcal. Well, that would do it, too, maybe. <laughs> yeah, maybe. <laughs> Not a lot. Man, your steak game is way better than mine. I'm always like, here's some red wine. You're having mezcal, but It's just because Alex found some new one that he was very interested in and wanted to try it. Did you mix it with anything, or you're just drinking it straight? Mm, a little lime. <laughs> I didn't have, like, a whole bottle. <laughs> Sad a little bit. I think they call that a skinny margarita. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> Exactly. Um, anyway, so that's what I did last <laughs> night. Uh, what did you do? <laughs> that um, was your Saturday. I also did laundry last <laughs> night, so it was a big night. Yeah, my Saturday was, um, you know, super exciting as well. Because um, now that I'm back in town, I've been cooking for myself. So oh yeah, I just had like a marathon cooking session, which was actually like I was like, this is the only place I want to be right now. Like in this yeah, that like five relieving. square foot kitchen of mine. <laughs> um, yeah we yeah what did i make N- that's not what i oh, said I, <laughs> <laughs> I just started a sentence and stopped it before i even got into well it. then we won't won't talk about what i made um <laughs> but then i was i've been watching the olympics which um oh yeah so the figure skating team event was on so i i watched okay. some of that so interesting yeah it was a very boring but like <clears throat> like boring saturday but exactly what you would want after you know i mean i got back technically i've already had a weekend since i got back but no but that one was, did not count yeah you were very this jet-lagged. Was my first non-jet-lagged weekend where i could yeah. just kind of relax and, and yeah do whatever so i ended up we just did a lot of chores last night because we invite like people are coming over this afternoon to play some board games which is like fun but it was and it was also i was like you know what this was the right decision because like we've got new furniture. Like there's just been a lot of like upheaval in the living space here. And so there's like a lot of little tiny piles of trash that I keep leaving. Not trash, but like things that I need to sort through or whatever. And I've just kind of been putting it off. And then last night I was like, oh, if people are coming over, I guess I really do need to <laughs> figure out what to do with all of this. So it was good. What I mean, it was like gave me the motivation I needed to like finish shredding all of my old mail and like putting away stuff. That's amazing i have a giant pile of things in my living room that people have just kind of handed down to me in a way Mm -hmm. like i'm leaving town here's some baking supplies i'm you know it's like it literally (laughs) all just sits in a pile in the corner because i like have no idea where i'm supposed to put it and Mm -hmm. i just don't really have the mental energy to like actually sit down and take everything out of my hall closet and try to put it all back in exactly so and 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 the fact that people come over and see it apparently doesn't bother me. <laughs> but shredding papers, uh, I guess I understand. So. Well, and that too was like, is this whole long... <laughs> this is the, literally the most boring story I could tell. I just have been... I, last weekend or the weekend before, I went through and refiled. Like, I went through all my files. Kind of just like, tried to get things a little bit more in order. But part of that generated a lot of stuff that I was like, oh, I can definitely get rid of it. So I had an even larger pile of things to shred than normal. So I had like three paper bags just like hanging out in my living room full of old mail and like old documents. I was like, people can't come over and see all my weird, who knows what's in there. Yeah, I'm pretty reckless with my junk mail. I just recycle it. 
Mm-hmm. But I, you know, I get like, so I go much. back and forth on. <laughs> yeah. I, mean, I think I'm pretty willy nilly about which things I do and don't shred. But again, when I was going through my files, like some of it was legitimate, like old things that I like don't need, but have lots of infor- information on them. Yeah. There's a dark side to donating to organizations. Oh my God. It's like, yes, it's the this worst. This is where your money goes is to kill trees. Like you could donate to the EPA and they would probably send you 50 mailers a year. Like, well, and then they send your information to five more charities yes. that do the same thing. It's the it's most like, upsetting. You know thing. that I donated online. Yeah. Just send me an email. <laughs> like I like I read the emails with the same um, amount of closeness as I read these documents that I literally throw away. But so it is so much stop. easier to throw an email in the trash than exactly a piece of paper. Yeah. Oh, I was no, so embarrassed. The there was a um, <clears throat> like a last time I went out of town for. Like, I think it was around Thanksgiving for, like, any stretch mm-hmm. of time. My roommate was also gone, and so oh, we had our no. building manager, like, check our mail. And I was so embarrassed because it had literally been, like, two weeks, and he, like, knocks on the door with, like, this giant box of, like... Oh, my God. And I swear, yeah. I swear to you, Jenny, I think there was, like, one thing in there that was actual mail. Yeah. And I was yeah. like, uh, okay, thank you. It's and the, the But worst. then it's like, I look at it and I'm like, well, I should clearly call these places and like unsubscribe, but I don't know how to do that. And yeah. I don't want to do that. I shouldn't have to do that. I shouldn't have to take yeah. an entire day to call every single nonprofit in the country yeah. and tell them, please stop sending me paper. Yeah. This, um, you're right. This is uh, not the most interesting thing, but <laughs> <laughs> I like to think that as Talk a podcast, we filing. specialize <clears throat> in... Talking about Buffy and life's mundaner parts. <laughs> yeah. um, that said, that's one of my 2018. It's like my I don't make I don't really make New Year's resolutions, but want my 2018 goal is to call like is to start that process of like literally calling places and and asking them to not send me paper mail. Yeah. Um, I've looked it up online before and it definitely seems like it's tedious, but I was like, if I can even just call one place, then I'll feel like I accomplished something. I mean, and I think the problem is I'm giving myself the whole year to do it. Yeah. (laughs) When you donate online, I think you can select not to have them do that, but I don't think they listen to that. Well, you can select to not be on their mailing list for emails, but you can't select not to be on their one for paper mail. Oh, I thought that was an option. Maybe you're right, but I don't think it's ever worked. Yeah. Didn't seem to. Mm. Well, I mean, have they looked into this that we could just save the environment if we had nonprofits stop mailing people things? <laughs> I mean, and surely it's still worthwhile. Like, their return on investment must be worthwhile or else I think they would have stopped it. But, like, at the same time, you are still wasting a lot of money for people. Again, like, I'm never going to fill out a piece of paper and mail it to you. I will definitely donate to you online. Just send me digital materials the way that I have indicated I want to interact with you is digitally. So stop sending me paper. There's a 0% chance that that is going to get me to do anything. All it does is make me mad. Well, and then they send you not just paper, but like pamphlets and like... Yes, um, and they're heavy. Yeah, and I think one organization, I forget which one, sent me the book of the found, like that the founder wrote. And oh my god! I was like, "Well, this that is, is expensive. <laughs> this is very ambitious of you. I don't want to read this. Like, I want to give money it's to so your organization. Weird. It does not mean I want to read this book." There has got to be some weird politic, like some level of not politics, like you know what I mean. Like, there's got to be some weird reason why that is still such a thing. Inertia. Like they, they well, like yeah. It's, but it, I feel like it's probably something more complicated than that. Of like, oh, they have they get this much money for something I don't know you know when it's like people have to make certain budgets and so then they're like doing all these stupid things it just feels like one of those circumstances yeah anyway anyway well it's <laughs> the current bane of my male existence so yeah my, and by I'm male I mean my M-A-I-L existence <laughs> <laughs> I didn't even think about that <laughs> my male life <laughs> Okay, I'm uh, getting weirdly punchy at 8 a.m. All right. Um, well, that's a good segue into yeah. Wild at Heart, which <laughs> opens with a pun. It does. <laughs> um, okay, well, I have to do the recap for Wild at Heart because as you <laughs> outed me that I sort of fell asleep for parts of the other one, so I don't think I could do it. Not that we're good at these summaries anyway, at least me. <clears throat> I want to win whatever the equivalent of a Razzie is for podcasting. No, I don't <laughs> want to do that. <laughs> uh, uh, okay, so 
Wild at Heart, as I said, opens with Buffy being particularly punny. I It's kind of a nice, like, oh, she's in college and she's, like, learning how to be even quippier. Um, but the heart of this episode is about, you know, Willow and Oz. We had seen previously that he was definitely, if not, like, interested in this girl, Veruca, he definitely kept noticing her. And then everything, all of those kinds of feelings come to a head in this episode. Like he continues, they keep seeing her at the bronze. He's having conversations with her. He's really distracted around Willow. And like Willow obviously picks up on all of this and starts feeling really insecure about, you know, their relationship and about how attractive she is and all that kind of stuff. So she repeatedly, she asks Oz about it. She kind of tries to just initiate things with him and it's just really not working out. But meanwhile, what we, the audience discover is that the reason that Oz is well, one of the reasons why Oz is so um, attracted to Veruca, whether that means sexually or not, I think is a little ambiguous, but like, is that she's also a werewolf. So Oz locks himself up. Uh, he gets, he, as once he turns into a werewolf, he sets, accidentally breaks out of his cage. And while he's out running around the UC Sunnydale campus, he runs into another werewolf. And then the next day he wakes up in, and it's him and Veruca as humans. So, she has a very different philosophy on being a werewolf than Oz does. And pretty much in addition to kind of like trying to lure him away is also just trying to convince him that like he shouldn't be caged up and that the wolf is a bigger part of him than he's admitting and all these kinds of things. Um, he in the, for his part is trying to convince her that she should be locking herself up because she could hurt people while she's a werewolf and she should care about that and blah, blah, blah. And, he ends that with a really terrible idea, which is, hey, Veruca, come into this cage with me so that we don't go outside and do any harm. <laughs> but instead, Willow finds them the next morning, like naked in each other's arms. And it's really heartbreaking. Um, but yeah, so that's kind of the gist of it. At the end of the episode, Oz decides that he needs to leave because he has to figure out him. He has to go find himself, kind of. Essentially. Uh, so he, he leaves campus. He leaves the school. He tells Willow he has to leave her and he doesn't know when he'll be back. Um, and that's how the episode ends. And it was awful. And then the one tiny other detail is that the, we also continue as Buffy is around. She's, you know, she's hunting the werewolves sort of throughout this episode. She also runs into a guy in military garb, um, like while she's chasing the werewolves and she, uh, you know, recognizes them from Halloween, but didn't realize that they weren't in costume at that time. Also, at the very beginning of this episode, Spike is back and he gets tased by those same military guys and taken into custody, presumably. That was the... Okay, so the very beginning of this episode, all of a sudden, I was like, Spike is here! Spike is here! And then he he was immediately tased and I was like, oh yeah. <laughs> well, because at first same. I thought I clicked on the wrong episode because I know that he's exactly more like I didn't in the next realize one. That, yeah, I didn't realize that that happened in this episode. Yeah, and I was like, wait a second, and then I realized, oh, okay, this is just a little teaser. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, this episode is... Uh, heartbreaking, but also, yeah, I mean, there's so much to unpack. I, I have so much frustration with Oz in this episode, but at the same time, it's hard to get too angry with him because he's clearly going through this like huge epiphany about being a werewolf. And I mean, as as awful as Veruca seems to be, she's not entirely wrong in some ways. And I wrote that down too. Yeah. Yeah. It's just, Unfortunately, that's why it's, I, yeah, I think you're right that that's why it's so heartbreaking on every level. It's not just sad because Oz and Willow break up. It's sad because there's there is a clear villain in this Veruca, but also like there's not a clear, you know, it's kind of one of those circumstances where it's just so much more complicated than like Oz cheated on her. Like, yeah, like her villainy is like not that she thinks she's more wolf than Oz is willing to admit, but it's that she disregards the fact that that could be dangerous for people or she's also, you know, she purposely goes to try to kill Willow like that. Yeah. (laughs) As a human too, she's making that choice. You know, that, that is the part where she's evil, but the part where it's, you want her to be 
completely wrong about everything because she's the bad guy is like I mean right. I this is something we've talked about before is like just because you're the bad guy and like this is this is like when Spike was telling Buffy about an angel about like whether they could be together like you want well, and the mayor yeah, yeah. like you want to believe that it's because it's wrong because it's coming from the bad guy but that doesn't mm-hmm. mean that it's wrong it just means the yeah. way they go about telling you is perhaps not the best right way. right or the final conclusions that they've drawn might be wrong but the things that they're saying aren't right yeah that's a good point I wonder how many more times that's gonna happen because I feel like that is kind of a thing a theme that I've never said out loud about Buffy (laughs) well I think it's like sometimes the uncomfortable truths you want them to be wrong or be bad Mm -hmm. but they're not they're just you know the way you choose to respond to them is different and and well they have to come mm -hmm, sorry sorry And, and this is the thing is like instead of deciding like okay I'm not gonna lock myself up and I'm gonna put everyone at risk, Oz responds to this. Instead of feeling this feeling of superiority and power that Veruca gets from it, you know, he's Mm -hmm. like, I have to leave. I can't be around people. Right. Which is just mostly, I think, convenient because this is how you get Seth Green off the show. Like, whether that's too far of a reach, you know, could be... Yeah. I don't don't think so, though. I I guess... That's so, so here's the thing that I was very quickly looking up before we started recording this. What I had always heard, I think, and quick Google confirms. I mean, they wrote Seth Green is the one that requested to get off the show. It wasn't necessarily like they definitely had some of these ideas like Joss and the writers did, but he, he, him leaving in this episode, like they definitely planned for him to be around longer than that. So it's interesting because again, I I had always heard that like this particular storyline was supposed to play out for a much longer. And in some ways, like, I can see the things in this episode, I, I think, that are like, oh, yeah, you kind of go zero to 100 in the span of one episode on a lot of things. And like in that way, it's kind of a frustrating episode. But for the most part, I feel like it still works. But also, I don't think I could have sat through a whole half season of this because it's so painful. Like, um, but yeah, so I, I guess I, what I'm trying to say is it's like some of the some of the like Oz comes to some pretty rash decisions. And I do feel like that's a result of them having to cram this all into two episodes instead of, uh, you know, five or six of like him deciding to leave. It does feel true to Oz's character, but it does also feel rushed in this particular episode kind of. And, and the same with the Veruca though, because it's like, yeah, she's like, she's this like sexy woman and she has no qualms about taking another girl, you know, like trying to seduce some, somebody who has a girlfriend, but it, if she does go zero to murderer, like really fast, <laughs> Like, I'm not sure that it was clear that she was a straight up murderer as a human. And I do, you know, even again, like her making the decision to like not care what she does as a wolf is kind of one thing. But like literally going into that lab to murder Willow is like pretty far. Yeah, she goes from sort of like kind of chuckling that Oz is just figuring this stuff out to deciding that she's some like it's almost like she's deciding she wants to be with Oz, which like that's not really. She said she does say that, too. Yeah. And that's not really the indication that you get like all along. She just seems kind of like amused that like their werewolf attraction is like you know right 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 so like that she's in love with him sort of uh, is a little also like eh, that doesn't well we didn't have time and for that speaking of irrational like if if seth green didn't really want to leave so badly like perhaps this plays out and he starts to notice more and more the way the wolf is in him he you know exactly confronts this attraction to veruca and has to kind of figure out is it because of she's also a wolf or is it because i am attracted to her like you right. could see this play out longer what we get right. instead is this totally ridiculous decision that he makes that instead right. of talking to Giles or Buffy about these this other werewolf that you know they're hunting and lying right. to them about the fact that there's another werewolf like he knows they're not going to kill Veruca they're not going to exactly. do anything to her like and, yeah like your only solution is we have to share this cage and you know like it's not just as innocent as come share this cage it's like you know, he like it grabs isn't. her and pulls her into the cage and they're like kissing as they turn into werewolves. Like yeah. he knows like it's it's a cheat to like give him what he wants as well. And yeah. I think that's the part that everyone kind of tells him he did wrong. Like Willow's like, For sure. this was your only I, solution. Yeah, like, exactly. It, and but she's I think, totally right. But I think yeah. some of that seems really out of character for Oz. So like exactly. that might be the part that they kind of have to rush because it's like, OK, I, how do you yeah. speed this up while you you've got to have him exactly. like gut punch yeah. willow you know so no i 100 percent agree with you and that's this exactly that's where it's like all these things it's not that i don't believe that they could happen so that's why i think ultimately this episode still works for me right like it yeah. still checks out as things that all these characters would do it just didn't quite have the breathing room to make 
them necessarily get there organically. So yeah, like I Oz at this stage, making that kind of crazy decision seems out of character, but I do feel like given a, a couple more weeks, he, he could have gotten to some version of that anyway. But yeah. yeah, that, I mean, in that part, that scene in particular, you know what? Not just that scene, every scene we've talked about this before. Sad Allison Hannigan is the saddest thing in the whole world. And it, breaks me every single time. I forget already what are all the other episodes that I've seen her cry in, but every single time I have the same reaction, which is like, oh my God, like the things that she, the way that she delivers these lines, it's like, they just tear into your stomach. Like I, I can imagine them, they've written similar lines for Buffy, you know, especially during the like angel arc. And like, I, I really love Sarah Michelle Gellar and I think she does a great job as Buffy, but she can't, I was trying to decide like, do they just give the best lines to Willow and uh, and I decided it's not that it's just that Allison Hannigan is so good at delivering them that they feel really real, you know, like it really feels like what you say and feel in those kinds of circumstances. And especially all of her, like, am I not good enough feelings? Like it's just so relatable. I think, right. Everybody's had that moment. I think where you're just like, you realize that you're not enough for someone somehow and it just hurts. Like, and there's nothing you can do about it. I don't know. She yeah, really conveyed, but conveyed I, that for me. I think me. the other thing, too, that really sells that moment is that the, the real hurt of the moment is not from the fact of this, like, whole werewolf thing. It's, like, because, you know, you remember at this moment that Oz and Willow have a history of mm-hmm. her being unfaithful to him, and mm-hmm. they had to kind of decide to get over that and move on, and Willow kind of mm-hmm. brings it up, like, you know... Oz kind of kind of tries to throw it in there, like, oh, yeah. you know, we've gotten past yeah. this before kind of thing, and she's you know, like, you can't, it's, this isn't how it works. Like, it's not like, like, are you trying to get back at me or whatever? And also, like, this is so much worse than whatever, yeah, yeah. you know, happened with Xander. Yeah. Um, and you <clears throat> kind of remember in that moment, like, oh, yeah, they have had to deal with this before. And then you realize, like, they were so much stronger than yeah. before that happened. So, like, it's, it's so awful that this happened. It is so awful. Yeah. But is Allison Hannigan the best at selling it or no? Oh yeah. Sorry. I was, I guess the, <laughs> that was a long way of, I initially started that trying to say like, she really sells that moment to me of like, yeah, basically shaming Oz about this. I um, know. And she just, she has the perfect like amount of lip quivering and like tears lingering in her eyes to just be like, man, ugh. yeah, that is particularly sad line also. I think I think it also from his side, it's like he's just grasping at anything because he knows that there's kind of no defense of what he's done. And that's like, you know, that's still there for him to reach for. But like, I think even he knows that that doesn't work at all. I think as soon as he says that, you can kind of tell he's he's like, like, well, whoops, I shouldn't have brought that. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. But but I mean, it's like also, you know, if you try to put yourself in Oz's shoes here, like he is an increasingly desperate person, like. Right. You know, for whatever reason, he feels like he can't. I mean, this is, I, I keep saying this is out of character, but maybe it's not. Because when Oz found out he was a werewolf, instead of going to exactly, Buffy and Giles, yeah. he just decided to find some chains in his basement. Like, yeah. it's kind of a same, like a similar situation, I guess. It is, and, yeah. And maybe that's, I don't know if this is intentional, but maybe that's kind of speaking to some, you know, you know, background thing of maybe Oz doesn't really trust them. Like, yeah. why does he not go to them for help when he needs it? It's a good point. And you know the other, I mean, we've never, yeah, I, I don't think that this really ties into it, but we also have never really seen his parents and they never really mention them. You know, the only interaction we know of with his family is that he got bitten by his werewolf cousin and they didn't tell him. I guess what I'm saying is, is like, he does really have this like independent streak. And like, even when he, so the first night he's a werewolf, he breaks out of his cage. And then the next day we see him like with a welding gun what are well whatever those are called <laughs> oh, oh i'm really outing myself as not knowing these things um but you know what i mean it's like previously we saw that he like obtained his own chains and like he's got weird access to things but he really knows how to like do i ugh. all i'm trying to say is that he seems very independent for somebody who's not that old i think i wonder also if part of this is like maybe his parents aren't around a lot and he has had to just raise himself and learn how to do every household thing. And so like when things start breaking down, he's not in the habit of asking for help. Even if he's getting there with the Scoobies, like he just doesn't, that's not his first instinct. Maybe, but then that's a good point too, that I didn't really think about is like, you know, he gets out and he's not even like, Hey Buffy, like keep an eye out for like reports of animal attacks or something. He's like, Mm -hmm. just doesn't even tell them. Yeah. And then Buffy comes and she's like, Oh, you got out. Like it's, 
you know, and maybe at this point they kind of treat it as like an inevitability, but like, I don't know. It seems odd that he kind of kept that part to himself too. Well, yeah. Yeah. I guess that's the part to the, or that's the part where in the course of this episode at that stage, he's so confused about his feelings about Veruca that he probably feels like he can't admit anything. Well, if he talks about anything, then he's going to accidentally say, and also I'm totally attracted to this other girl, and also she's a werewolf, and blah, 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 blah. Like, I, I don't know. I think he's he feels so guilty about everything that he can't admit even the first part of it, which is just the things that they would know already. I guess that's true, because she is part of that story of him getting out of his cage. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's basically a story of, like, werewolves in heat, you know? Like, yeah, yeah. he's not totally oh. in control of his actions. Yeah. I mean, he definitely is responsible for the second night. Yes. Um, yeah. Oh, so sad. I I shed a tear when he was saying goodbye to Willow. That scene was also just... Ugh. Um, <laughs> although, this is not an although to that, but, uh, you know, when he comes... So Veruca tries to murder Willow, turns into a wolf in the middle of their kind of encounter... And then starts attacking her, but um, before she gets too far, Oz as a werewolf also shows up, or Oz shows up before he turns into a werewolf. Anyway, what I'm saying is that also Oz kills Veruca. He bites her neck. Like, it was really graphic. I was like, holy shit, that's like... They don't really mention that part either, but like, also maybe Oz needs to go deal with his, like, now he feels like a murderer feelings. Yeah, I I think you're right in that that part isn't really brought up again, other than I think Willow's a little bit shocked to watch she's it happen. totally traumatized yeah. yeah but i guess oz isn't gonna remember doing it no and i wonder but, if they tell but what I do mean, they do with that body <laughs> yeah they must he must know that he did that i think yeah he must know even yeah exactly even if he doesn't remember doing it he's like they didn't not know. tell him that right like they aren't just like oh is dead because like we've seen historically that he doesn't really remember when he kills things mm-hmm. and eats them He's just oddly though, full, but... Though, inter- interestingly, one of the things that Veruca tells us is that the longer that he goes through this, the more he is going to remember. So pre- so possibly he remembers a little more than he used to. Be- okay, but, like, in, in the course of one full moon, like, I feel no, like... No, 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 no. He goes from, like, I don't remember to, like, her being, like, eventually you will, and then all of a sudden he remembers? No, 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 no. I guess what I'm suggesting is that even when he told her, I don't remember anything, I think at that point he might have sort of been... Oh. covering how much he remembers. Oh, okay. You know, and, you know, and sort of like he says, like he refers to it as like a blackout or like the way that I think like if you blackout from other things, like there are times you, you know, just the, the highlights or like strong emotions, even if you don't remember the circumstances, I guess what I'm saying like, I still feel like he probably has some sort of like sense memory of it, even if it's not like a, Oh, I remember I bit her in the neck, but he probably feels some, something. Well, and it's true that he could have been lying to himself on some level about how much he actually much does he remember. Yeah. You know, because... Exactly. He, he has been a werewolf for a year or more now, so... Yeah, and you don't want to mm-hmm. admit to yourself that you do remember what you're doing. Mm-hmm. And he's also probably actively trying to suppress the memories. So once she says that, maybe... Some of it, too, is he's been a werewolf for over a year now, but what has he really done as a werewolf? Exactly. He locked himself up <laughs> in a cage. in a cage, so. yeah. 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 Um, um, yeah. Sorry. Um, Go ahead. So I do, I guess, I want to talk a little bit about Professor Walsh and um, yes, Riley and too. the commando. Um, so I have many thoughts. Yeah, and because this is also, clearly we're ramping up the, uh, the military stuff because mm-hmm. the very first scene of this episode, we see Spike get taken. Right. Um, and then also, instead of just glimpsing these guys, Buffy outright runs right into one, like mm-hmm. literally Physically, collides. Yeah. And, and, you know, her concern at the end of the episode when she brings this up with Giles, and, and by the way, I love this scene of Buffy going to Giles, you know, mm-hmm. everything's a mess, and, you know, they're kind of having the adult conversation because no one else is, like, capable of dealing with right. this right now, you know, is like... Mm-hmm. And, and Buffy, you know, confiding in Giles of, like, her worries about Willow and, you know, mm-hmm. um, Giles kind of reassuring her that, like, you know, she's gotten through something similar in the past and right. she can help Willow. And, like, um, I thought that was a nice return to, nice. like, their relationship. But also, like, Buffy going to Giles with her concerns about this outfit that she's realized is, like, legit. Operating. Like, it's not just people yeah. in costume because 
her big concern at this point is like, we need to figure out who these people are, but also they got in my way. Like mm-hmm. she almost didn't get to Willow in time because she ran into That's that That's very guy. interesting. And yeah. I thought that was really fascinating. But at the same time, we're kind of starting to get hints of who it might be because um, right. we see That's- Professor Walsh encounter the werewolves and mm-hmm. um, she's having this conversation with Riley about them, but she doesn't seem as shocked Aware. perhaps as she could be. Oh, see, because, okay. You're, you're I mean, right. I think she's, she's broaching it to Buffy as like, there are dogs, like, dogs. Stay, like be careful, I guess I but g- like. genuinely couldn't tell in that scene if she didn't know that they were werewolves or if she was covering up because she was in public. I feel like she played it really well, I guess, then. I guess, like, but I feel I like. I honestly couldn't tell if she knew or didn't know. And maybe this is me, like, trying to read more into it because I know where it goes, but it seems mm-hmm. like she and Riley were having more of an open conversation about it, and then as soon as Buffy showed up, they kind of clammed up, like, oh. I guess I I was also watching for that, and I didn't feel that way, so that's funny. Yeah. Um, but <laughs> Either I- way, even if they didn't know, I guess what is realistic, and because what we're going to see kind of happen later she might not know by sight that those are werewolves, but she did know that something was weird about it and was probably bringing it to Riley so that they could do further investigation. Well, and I think we see the follow-up of that is like, I think that commando is out hunting. Right, because of that. Yeah. That's a good point. Um, I don't think that that's supposed to be Riley, but I think... No, I agree. Yeah. Because they never mentioned that again. No, no. Um, And on the same vein, as much as... I am, like, really getting attached to Riley on this watch-through for whatever reason. I guess just because I am finally noticing how much care they took to introduce him into the storyline, and I'm really enjoying the way that they're doing it. Like, I just I never really thought about it before, other than, like, oh, yeah, he's kind of there for a while before they really get him involved in the story. But, like, every interaction that he's had with Buffy has felt really, you know, like, really realistic of, like, yeah, like what you've pointed out a million times, like the first time they meet, he doesn't even remember her. But then now they've had like little, little run-ins that again, it's like they're not even particularly flirtatious. They're just getting to know each other. <laughs> no, I but love I that. Really like, like it's it. like and he's I, yeah. he's not only introduced as a love interest, like he's introduced as a new person in this universe and he's there consistently. And then it kind of becomes like, oh, obviously he was mm-hmm. meant to be a romantic interest for Buffy all along. But I guess, and I guess it just also really underscores his, like, the goodness of Riley. You know, that the last time that we saw him, he was kind of, like, pointing out what a player Parker is and how he's, like, kind of a shitty person. And in this one, you know, he saves Willow's life because she's almost gets hit by a car. But, like, he's just so... Gen- I feel like his concern for Willow is so genuine that, like, he he just doesn't ever have ulterior motives with Buffy up until he actually is interested in her. Like, it's not, I'm trying to, I mean, like that would be so skeezy to like save your friend's life and then be like, yeah, look at what a good guy I am. But we've totally seen people do that before. So I guess I just like really appreciate how much he is a good person. He really cared that Willow was okay. He like, he and Buffy exchanged like a silent look, you know, about like, yes, she's going to go take care of Willow. And I just really liked it. I, he did seem to weirdly jump to conclusions that Willow was trying to kill herself, but I, other than that, yeah, totally enjoyed uh, that scene. Oh, okay. I guess I didn't really realize, read that part, but... Well, he yeah, was like, it's uh, not worth hurting yourself over, and then Buffy, like, you know, she's right. like, Riley's right, you shouldn't hurt yourself, and I'm like, I just don't think Willow was like, I'm gonna walk into traffic now. I think she was, like, no, not paying attention. But I think, I don't, I didn't get, that wasn't my read on it so much as a, a kind of agreeing that, like, she's being careless, and they're trying to reinforce that being careless could end up hurting her. Yeah. Yeah. Either way. Um, also either way, something I like that Riley. Will, yes. I, 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 I want to agree. With, I don't, I never didn't like Riley, but I like him more. Let's just say I don't like how they end Riley's story, but right. I, at this point am remembering all the, the reasons like <laughs> maybe I, i'm falling for riley is yeah. what i'm saying um, <laughs> riley. Riley. <laughs> um uh. but um another thing i wanted to bring up that is kind of laying some groundwork here is we see willow joining a wicca group um, yes well we didn't see it she just mentioned it yeah well we kind of saw her at the meeting but we didn't really see her like mm. interacting with any of them mm-hmm. um that comes for a later episode but we do it does kind of lay like yeah. Groundwork of like Willow is still going into the magic thing and the Wicked group will become somewhat more important. Um, I yeah. did like that their orientation is over the full moon. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know what else? We've kind of pointed this out before, but um, how do I want to say this? I guess I, guess I as 
we know Willow and witchcraft are going to progress until the very end of this show. Like she's, this is always going to be part of her storyline and it goes in a lot of different places. And I even, you know, in this episode, we, there is that scene. So she goes to like the lab to cast a spell at, like she's so hurt and angry at odds that she wants to, her first reaction, not her first reaction, but one of her first reactions is to like cast a spell on him so that he can never love again <laughs> and cast on Veruca as well, which is like pretty hardcore. Um, and, but of course in, in this moment, she stops herself before she finishes it because she doesn't really mean that on him. But I guess again, like of the things that this show has done, has just been really consistent with, I feel like Willow and her relationship to magic, it's just like they have had nailed it from day one. Like that, that feels very true to like, she's going to go to that place again and not hold back. But in you know, just it, a just, few episodes. it just, but I guess what I'm saying is just like really build the story of her and how far she is and isn't willing to go. That, but also I think Willow's tendency to rely yeah, on magic sorry. to that's do what something that more. in this universe it's not meant to do. Like, I mean, that's the thing, that's the appeal of magic, right? Is like mm-hmm. magic breaks all the rules of like, well, I can't fix this because of this or I can't do this, but it's like it doesn't, rules don't apply because it's magic. I mean, that's the mm-hmm. beauty of Harry Potter is like there are rules, but like it can solve things that like you, that like in your idea like this, yes, this is what magic is supposed to be for. Mm-hmm. But, like, for Willow, like, she tends to turn to magic to solve emotional problems right. and, like, things that it can't do. It, or that yeah. the reason the spells often go arise because that's not what they're meant for, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, that's, an, that's a good point that yeah. I never really thought and about And I think we way. do, you're right, though, in that we do see, a, like, the groundwork being laid because, like, you know... Willow's first introduction to magic really was this incredibly powerful spell that was used for a purpose and worked. Like, she restored Angel's soul. But then, you know, this one she doesn't go go through with, but in a few episodes we do see her try to solve her... her problems with the spell and it doesn't work. And Mm -hmm. then we see, you know, eventually she really tries to solve her problems with magic and it definitely Mm -hmm. doesn't work in the the worst way. Um, but I do, I think you're right. I do love the consistency of that, of like Willow's relationship to magic has been this one way since day one mm-hmm. of like, you know, Willow's like used to achieving. Like that's not something they ever and, had to retcon. Well, yeah, but also she, yeah, absolutely. And she's used to achieving everything mm-hmm. that she does because yeah. she, you know, she's yeah. so smart. But like magic is this thing that like, it's not, you can't control it. You can just kind yeah. of like, I mean, I guess it's control, but you know what I mean? Like, no, she, no, no, but I know what you're saying. She's and I think not going to the, be as like masterful of it as she wants to be because like, it's just not a thing that you can control in well, that way. And also now that you've said this, like this is the perfect way to describe it is that she's using magic to solve emotional problems and that's not what it's meant for. And I think that that's actually really the key. I feel like we're going to need to return to that thought because one of the reasons I think she, she can control magic when she's just trying to float a pencil or do something that it is meant to do. The reason that she can't control it is because she keeps trying to expand what it, what it's trying to do. But that's like, I mean, that goes back to that very first that lesson she told Buffy about the pencil is like, you know, she can't do it. Exactly. You have to con- keep your focus and it's all about con- emotional control. And right. like by definition, if you're trying to solve an emotional problem, exactly, you're not exactly. in emotional control. Like, yeah, but that's what I'm saying. I'm saying that you're, I'm just saying that was spot on and yeah. I have never put it in those words, but that really, I think is going to always be true for the rest of the series. And that even coming to terms with like in the very, very end, right. When she is getting control over it again, it is going to be because she's either solved her emotional problems or because she's not using it to that end. Yeah. That's super right. Very interesting. I try. Hmm. <laughs> but yeah. And also again, though, just like you said, though, it, it, she, her gut, that is always her first instinct of like, I have run out against this problem I can't solve. Oh, I'll use magic for it. Instead of thinking really through what she should be doing or who she should be talking to. <sighs> so sad. Yeah. Um, I did appreciate her not going through with it at this stage, though. Like, the vindictive part of her is also kind of like an undercurrent. You know, she does also use magic for vengeance a lot or want to. Yeah, but ultimately they don't really let her cross that line until they do. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Um, I will say I won't miss these werewolf costumes. Can we? No. <laughs> every every time they come back. Well. <laughs> yeah. Every time they've had, I think every single episode has had a different werewolf. Like they've redone that costume at least three different times. And every time it's just bad in a different way. It has never gotten better. And also the like female werewolf with the like flowing blonde hair is just like too much. They should just made her blonde and use the same suit. 
I did oh, like was... no, I did like the differentiation though in that different people turn into different looking werewolves. I think sure. that, that makes sense, but I do agree they, they went just... a little heavy handed on like this is what a female werewolf yeah. looks like. <laughs> yeah. Um, uh, I also um, want to shout out Giles watching his trivia show. That's <laughs> how I feel watching Jeopardy. Like I'm like that money is mine. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like you're oh. so stupid. <laughs> But yeah, you know, another thing Dan, that you bring up Giles is I don't really have a good, like a overall point to make, but it is interesting. Just like I was saying with the Riley stuff, I just never was paying as much attention to it as I am on this rewatch and kind of in the same way, like I never really, it never really stuck out to me how lost Giles is in this season. Like he's not doing anything. And I just... I get, you know, part of it is probably just because I'm paying more attention to the adults, but also just because we're talking about, we're microanalyzing every scene that I was just like, oh, right. Giles really doesn't have a job. He doesn't have a slayer. He doesn't know what to do with himself. So it is touching at the end of this episode that Buffy does still go to him for advice. And I feel like he is going to eventually find a, a groove again. But it is it's just funny. Like he showed up at the bronze, you know, like, what are you doing, Giles? <laughs> I know, he's, like, coming to check out the local spot, like, which raised the question to me, like, is the bronze a bar or, like, a coffee house? Because... I think it's both. I mean, who goes the to the bar is and the is like, I'm going to have bron- a cappuccino? <laughs> the bronze is the room of requirement, Ali. It's whatever you need it to be. <laughs> um, although I did also appreciate in this episode that they get meta about the bronze, and they, like... In the very, like, what, again, one of the opening scenes is they're all sitting there kind of talking about, like, why do we still hang out here? <laughs> Well, I think it goes back to the pilot where Cordelia was like, it's literally the only place in town. Mm-hmm. So I guess you have to. I feel like there are definitely coffee houses that like also serve beer. You know, like coffee but house by day, bar do with Do they a, have like the live music scene and yeah, stuff? Yeah. It doesn't feel unrealistic to me that a place like that would exist. Oh, I, no, do I don't mean in, in the real world. I mean, does Sunnydale have that? I like, think that it's always, I've always thought that they both served alcohol and coffee there. Oh, at the bronze. Yeah. 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 But, but that's what I'm saying. Like maybe they still go there because that's all there is. Yeah. Yeah. No, I agree. Yeah. I mean, they have like that one coffee shop, but like, I don't, yeah. Well, I mean, there's a pub somewhere, right? We've seen Giles go to a pub with watchers before, or was that Wesley? It was someone. Uh, it wasn't Wesley. Yeah. Well, I so guess, far. okay, let's stop <laughs> analyzing <Yeah. laughs> the Sunnydale nightlife scene, but I'm assuming the bronze is the only all ages club. Cause let's yes. not forget. They're still 19, not 21. So. I'm yeah. just saying that in this episode, they all sat down and said, why do said <laughs> as though to the audience, why do we still hang out here? Oh, because <laughs> was kind of the answer. Well, yeah, they like, can't yeah. say because we already spent the it. money to build the exactly, set. Exactly. Cause so this is our set and this is where them. we hang out. Yeah. <laughs> um, what are they going to do without Oz's van? That's a great question. And also, Cordelia's car is gone too, so they don't have a ride yeah. anywhere. Okay, this this that really raised a question for me of how are they getting around town? Because well, I mean, like, Buffy they just runs the, everywhere. Hmm? Buffy just runs everywhere. But they made this point of saying the college is like miles outside of town. And like, I that's why it wasn't Buffy really part running. of the show before. But like, is there like a shuttle bus? Like, how are Probably. they like Buffy's not driving? How are how are they getting to Giles's okay. house? You know, I don't know what everyone else is doing, but I swear to you, Buffy is just running everywhere in those <laughs> heels and leather pants. Do I don't she think does so. it all the time. There are literally going to be episodes in this season and the next one where she is just like, OK, I got to run there. <laughs> I'm pretty sure that is Buffy's preferred mode of transportation. She does not have a driver's license and she doesn't have friends with cars anymore. And she can run really fast without breaking a sweat. So like, why not? There is one scene in the next season where I'm like, this would have gone so much better than you planned if you had just gotten in a car. (laughs) She really needs one. I agree with that. But I think she just runs everywhere. (laughs) I'm just trying to amuse you with this mental picture of Buffy just like walking out of campus and then sprinting home. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> gotta go to my mom's bye <laughs> I might be wearing a handkerchief skirt and heels yeah. but it doesn't matter <laughs> it doesn't stop her from slaying vampires so I would stop her from running oh. uh. <sighs> sigh um, so this is gonna have a through line to the next episode as well but um, I just credit where credit is due once again Xander is not a monster in this episode if anything he was a nice supportive friend I just I, I, I can't yeah, exactly. I've understand. cracked your ingenious code. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But 
it's just so nice to see him behaving this way. I, I know I'm going to reach a breaking point again at some point, but you know what? I'm just going to enjoy it because I don't want to hate Xander. I just did for three seasons. So did you enjoy the other Arrested Development precursor? Oh no! What was it? When, he, when Willow oh, was. Oh, if you, you have to say it, yeah. <laughs> yeah. If you're calling it pop pop, you're probably yeah. not <laughs> ready not. to have it. <laughs> yeah. No, I did think that was funny too. Um, who's the arrested guy? He's probably a big Buffy fan. Oh um oh my god. Hurwitz is that? Yeah. yeah. I was like gonna say Michael Schur, and I was like, nope. You just. Got okay. That my first thought was Mitch Hedberg. That's Mitch, definitely not Mitchell right. Mitchell Hurwitz. Yeah. <laughs> Um, um, okay, are you ready to talk about Sense and Sensitivity? Yes, I guess. <laughs> I'll try to make the recap really short. Um, I don't know how you're going a, to. This isn't a super, like, involved episode of Angel. Agree um, to disagree. <laughs> yeah, basically we, we open up with um, Cordelia and Doyle getting, or mostly Cordelia, but getting huffy with Angel because, you know, he kind of treats whatever they're doing as business, but he's not really the most, like, empathetic Mm. person to be around Mm -hmm. like he sends Cordelia and Doyle off to fight a disgusting demon and doesn't really say thank you or you know how was it or you know he's not kind of checking in emotionally Mm -hmm. um and so Cordelia wants him to be a little bit more sensitive um meanwhile Kate comes to Angel for help with tracking down a fugitive criminal um, that she wants to bring to trial and you know she's kind of exhausted all of her options and so she decides to go outside of the department and get this private investigator guy that she knows to help out. Um, Angel finds him, and um, but this guy's lawyers happen to be Wolfram and Hart, who mm-hmm. we haven't seen in a few episodes, but yeah. they're back. Um, and they set this guy up to escape from prison basically by um, bringing in a sensitivity trainer to the <laughs> precinct who they put in there he's some mystical sensitivity guy who kind of puts a whammy on them with his like talking stick or whatever and um <laughs> i think that's how it happens i don't yeah, know yeah no it is it's <laughs> just funny <laughs> yeah. and basically all the cops who go through this training including kate end up becoming really emotional and oversharing of their feelings to the entire breakdown of the department you know um they're trying to emotionally reason with criminals and letting them out because locking people up is wrong. And, um, this culminates for Kate in, at her father's retirement party, who's her father's also a cop. She basically goes on this like emotional unloading of like Mm -hmm. her relationship with him. Um, and that's when Angel realizes maybe something is really wrong. So he tracks down the sensitivity trainer only to then get, um, whammied himself i'll keep using mm-hmm. that word because they used that <laughs> so word. what they used yeah and, that's the right um, word so he shows up uh, at the precinct and cordelia and doyle have followed kate there and um they realize angel is like acting overly emotionally available and <laughs> that something has been wrong so um i don't i don't i guess they i don't remember how they get rid of the guy <laughs> I'm like, yeah. how did this end? Who knows? But uh, I guess eventually the um, they lock the the criminal guy back up again. Everybody kind of recovers from this um, emotional whammy, and mm-hmm. case closed. I I really can't remember how this ends. Oh well, I guess like Wolfram and Hart like ends their um, representation of this criminal because they realized finally that Angel is a bigger threat in town. Mm. Yep. Okay, interesting. Yeah. But yeah, I think they had, like, a showdown at the there police was, station. There was, but I, like, like, I, I like, honestly can't remember the mechanics of it. Like, Well, at, yeah, <laughs> I agreed. <laughs> I guess that's what I mean when I say, it's not that there's so, right, like, the plot of this is, like, pretty straightforward, but the mechanics of this episode were so complicated. Like, and, I, again, admittedly, like, was I paying full attention to this the way I normally do? No, but it, there is a lot of, like, why is Angel wearing all of a sudden a Hawaiian shirt on the docks. Like a lot of these, like the mechanics of like, like oh, the very beginning, I think like that was who, his, like if no, he no, needed no. a disguise kind of thing. For sure. Catalina. Sure. No, no, I get it. But I guess I'm just saying that this, those little things of like, Kate's talking to this guy. Who's the, the partner of this guy. Who's the, this of this guy who said a thing to this guy. And they're all people that we've never met. Like with these really complicated relationships to one another, you know, like there's the snitch guy at the beginning or like he wasn't a snitch, the guy that she has in the police station. Then later there's the mobster. And then he's like right-hand man who angel like, 
stands next to you and starts a fight with so that they can arrest them. But I guess I just mean there were so many people and like they're the police, like plans for capturing them were just so convoluted that like, that was kind of why I tuned out. It was just like, this does not feel worth keeping up with. Like again, for like me. Yeah. Theoretically. Could I care about Kate at this point? Yes. But I don't care about all the other, <laughs> like it was just a lot of people to throw in the ring on top of then like there's interest, like the, the M, the empathy part of it, I think was interesting. And I, I think the idea was good, but yeah, I just feel like I don't want to watch this like pretty interesting meditation on what it means to be vulnerable and emotional. But then I also have to keep up with this complicated crime syndicate. Like I just, I think that was too much for me. Well, I think it was interesting because we start out with this problem that Cordelia is having with Angel, but instead of focusing on how Angel overcomes this or whatever, it's, played for comedy, but also the focus is on Kate, who isn't even Mm -hmm. a regular character. She's a recurring character at this point who we're going down this entire emotional journey with. And it's like, why? Why do we care? I mean, I think they try to remind us why we care by showing us in the opening credits, like where we've seen Kate before. But like at this point, why do we need that? Because we've already seen her in other episodes. So I was wondering if this aired out of order. Maybe. Like if this was originally supposed to air somewhere earlier in the season. Mm hmm. Because that's the only reason why we would need to see Kate's, like, recap of, like, who this person is. Because we mm-hmm. already just saw her help them track down, track down, 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 um, the murderer of Lily's ghost, mm-hmm. you know? So, yeah. I, yeah, I guess that's, I mean, I agree. You know, and we kind of talked about this, I think, last week, where it's, <laughs> for the angel side of things, these things probably work well. In that, like, it's very interesting to watch Angel very slowly build his character and make these tiny changes. So, like, on the one, it works for me that Angel is on the sideline. Even, like, you're saying, yeah, the episode starts with Cordelia's complaint about Angel, but then the episode's not really about him. Like, that part sounds good to me on paper. It's just that then they go so hard in on someone that I don't care about at all that it's like, this is where it's really failing them that they haven't found a good ensemble yet because, you know three seasons from now, if they go really in on Cordelia, I will care even if it's not about Angel. Whereas like here, it's like, it's not even that they're going in on Cordelia who I do or Doyle, who in theory I could care about, but like Kate, who at least like another secondary character. I, well, we just had an entire episode about Cordelia and it was amazing. It was great because we care about Cordelia, but like Kate, this is, too but that's soon. yeah. Like, but that's what I'm saying. Is it because they don't have a good rich ensemble to pull from that they're not really able to pull these types of episodes off? Unless they're focusing on Cordelia, there's nobody else that I care about except for Angel. So like, they yeah, they're like trying to do this cool thing where he's on the sidelines and slowly develops, but they can't. It's not working because they don't have anyone else interesting to talk about. Well, and it's like the focus on Kate would imply that they're setting her up as some sort of romantic kind, interest. Yeah, for I always kind of thought they were, but at I, yeah, except that they yeah. never did. So, like, that's the thing is, like, I can never tell which direction they're supposed to be yeah, going with this. It's so and I'm hard. like, okay, yeah. if you're asking me to care about her for specific reasons, like, I'll try. But, like, it's also never clear that we're supposed to care about Kate because it's always a little fuzzy whether the show cares and, about Kate. And it is weird because, yeah, if they were trying to set her up as a romantic lead, like, Angel shows zero interest in her. And she repeatedly, I think, makes it clear that she is interested in him, which is, like, fine and realistic. But yeah, like as a viewer, then stop putting her in the show. Like if Angel doesn't care about her, either drop this, this drop that part of the story or make him interested in her too. Cause it's not like there's no will they won't their tension. Will they won't they tension. It's just Angel is disinterested. (laughs) Yeah. It's just like, Um, I do wonder what would happen if Angel told Kate like, Hey, my last girlfriend was 18. (laughs) (laughs) Um, yeah. What? I think this episode was just boring. And and again, it's like, so they have this whole thing. Kate, everybody's revealing everything about themselves. And part of that is that Kate reveals in publicly in front of her dad's coworkers at his retirement party that, like, he was a terrible father, essentially. And she, like, is really raw and emotional, and she says a lot of really painful things. And at the very end of the episode, her dad comes to visit her, and it's sort of this, like, twist on the classic episode, right? Where instead of saying, like, you were right about all those things you said. He's like, you should be really embarrassed by what you did. And I don't ever want to talk about this again. And I feel like, again, it's like, they're so proud of themselves for having like turned that 
kind of TV cliche on his head. But like, I couldn't care less about Kate's dad. So it's like, it's a cool moment, but for people that I'm not interested in, I guess that's the theme of season one of Angel. It's like, you guys have a lot of interesting ideas and terrible characters. <laughs> There's no execution. I mean, you're right. It's like that moment where her dad comes is like, stunning and how cruel it makes him seem but also it's like but there's no see it's angel see happen but anything. other than that it's like i just yeah, don't that's, care that's like, what i'm saying is like in order to do something especially something that focuses so hard on emotion and like the softer side of things it has to be with characters that the viewers care about otherwise there's no stake i don't care about somebody just being a jerk you know if if i saw someone doing that to cordelia which we just did in the last episode, I did care about that ghost who was tormenting her because it was somebody that I felt something for. So yeah, I think that's just where they're making the missteps here. I can't wait for them to get into their more regular cast. Well, the other interesting thing too, I realized and that this is like this detour that we've made. This is two episodes in a row where Doyle didn't get a vision. Oh yeah. And like, on one level, it's like I kind of appreciate them not relying on that every mm-hmm. episode. But on the other, it's kind of like... That's how we we get the signal that this is where this group is supposed to be, like, what they're supposed to be yeah. focused on and what they're supposed to be doing. And, like, I don't know, like, following the cops on an investigation just doesn't feel that riveting. Like, I mean, and also maybe in retrospect I'm having this issue because I know the show that this actress who plays Kate did immediately after Angel was oh. So <laughs> She's on Jane the Virgin like, now, too. Yes, but I'm like, is this her Law and Order audition? Right. Like, I, you know, I, it just doesn't, it's like Angel, like, or Law, like, sorry, what's it? Law and Order, like, Angel. Right, 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 whatever, right. You know, like, law it's, and order, I'm the trying to be clever, but I'm not, yeah. but it doesn't matter. It's like, supernatural it just division. doesn't feel like an episode of what they want the show to be. I mean, this is episode six of the show, so, like, it, maybe it's a little unfair yeah. about saying this is not an Angel episode, because we're coming at it from, like, four more seasons of hindsight. Well, and I guess that is the issue. I mean, of course this is the issue. And this is what we keep hitting on the head is that they haven't found their stride yet. Is this a, is this a noir? Is this a PI? Is this a supernatural? Like what is this show? And they've tried many things and none of them have quite worked yet. I think the one, which is so bizarre to me because we, that was the thing we talked right, about in the pilot. That was so right good. It's like right <laughs> off the bat, they kind of nailed the perfect yeah. tone and then they've kind of, veered away from it every time but i'm gonna maintain that i think i think the ensemble is the real problem right now because they could be doing many of the episodes that we haven't liked would have worked if we cared about the people and part of that is probably you know they had they only got a couple characters from buffy to work with so how much could they have built built people up but they've also just you know like they really have not done doyle any favors And that was another thing that I noticed. This is kind of the through line with Xander. Doyle was totally fine in this episode. He didn't say a single disgusting thing to Cordelia. In fact, like if their relationship had always been played this way, I would buy that. Like he has feelings for her and they work together. (laughs) Like it would be fine for me if this was the way it always had been. Um, like when Kate points out that Doyle has a crush yeah. on Cordelia, you wouldn't no, want to No, exactly. It. Because like, because in this one, what they, the only thing that like Doyle didn't say any, he didn't hit on her at all. He didn't make any creepy comments to Angel about her. All they did was like actually share a like pretty traumatic workplace place experience where they have to saw a demon into tiny pieces. But like, that's the sort of thing that people can bond over. And it is interesting to me. I guess I kind of lost my point here, but. I am annoyed that they could have written Doyle this way the whole time and that they chose to go this other path with him. I feel like if they had not made that such a huge part of his time on screen is him being disgusting, he would also be a more interesting character that I would want to know what is his shady backstory that he's getting gunned down by mobsters all the time, you know? But it's like, it's so frustrating to see how close they are to doing these things right and that they haven't been doing them. Yeah, it's... uh, There's a lot of disappointing... I did like that uh, sensitivity trainer. He looked really familiar to me, but when I went on IMDb to look, a lot of these actors have been in other things, and I went on IMDb to try and look them up, and they didn't have, I couldn't find the full cast list for the episode, so I'll have to do more research, because Kate's dad looked really familiar. Obviously, the mobster guy looked familiar, and then that demon, no, he wasn't a demon, he was like a warlock, but that, um, 
But Wolfram and Hart Lawyer looked familiar, yeah. too. Yeah. Although the, all that made me mad was because how come it's not Lindsay? Yeah. <laughs> Again, they just haven't found all these better, more interesting actors to be around Angel yet. Yeah. <sighs> I did like watching Angel in his little Hawaiian shirt, though. That's a very David Boreanaz, yeah. like, trademark of, like, because he does that in Bones all the time, too. Like, put on a goofy outfit and don a kind of different attitude. I don't know. I always like watching him do that, even if it didn't make any sense to me. (laughs) (laughs) Hold on. I just want to say that how much I liked Cordelia in that episode, though. Not she is right to call Angel out on everything that she calls him out about. And how nice is it to have seen Cordelia make this journey to a place? She's in a place where she's willing to saw a demon into tiny pieces. (laughs) I'm like really proud of all the growth that she's made. And I appreciated her comments a lot in this episode. I thought she was great. As she always is. <laughs> I don't have anything have- new. I um, am following in your footsteps footsteps, and reading A Wrinkle in Time. And that's exciting. And I, I started watching Pretty Little Liars this week. <laughs> uh, I, am very, I am really enjoying it so far, but I'm not very far into it. Are you prepared to get frustrated with yeah. it? I, I've never seen it. I just hear that it gets really convoluted. I am confident that I can make it through... Three se- I think my I think I'll probably really like the first couple seasons, and then we'll see where I how I feel. But I think that it's a it's a very you you know it was, I there's a lot of reasons why I started watching it. Mostly is because I keep starting like background shows like things that I watch when I'm cooking or doing chores, and it's like I've picked a bunch of things that I just start blowing through. But then Alex will jump in at some point and be like, "Oh, what's this?" And then he starts watching it, and then I can't watch it without him anymore. So I'm trying really hard to find something that he would have no interest in watching. And that was where I landed. Um, but also because people talk about it in relationship to Riverdale a lot. And I feel like, oh, it is kind of, it's definitely scratching the same itch as Riverdale in a lot of ways. So it's like kind of. I'm having a rough time with Riverdale. Oh, I'm a couple it. episodes behind, but so far I'm still enjoying it. I know. I feel like they're doing the ultimate sophomore fall apart, mm. like season it's like everything that worked about it last hmm. season they're like trying to do to the max this season and it's like i know archie like was starting funny. to annoy me again even though he had really started to charm me but that's about it archie's annoying me jughead's annoying mm. me um betty's annoying me it's just i'm not i'm still yeah. watching but i'm like come on riverdale you gotta bring it back around um anyway so far, so good with Pretty Little Liars. It's got a, it's got a very... It's so far, Alex hasn't, hasn't shown any He's seen a couple interest. scenes, and he doesn't like seem to like them, so that bodes well. Um, but yeah, it just has a very, like... It's the like the actual conceit from the pilot is like a pretty compelling mystery. So, like, I'm interested in that. Great. It's not really um, a recommendation. I don't cool. know. Watch it if you think you would like that kind of show. <laughs> but I haven't seen enough of it to really give my full opinion. Um... I will tell you that I've read enough about it that I don't think I have any interest in yeah, watching it. But, um, but I could see how that would be a good like mm-hmm. background show. Yeah. Um, I don't really have anything other than like, you know, I like the Olympics. Uh, I don't care if people think they're lame. I enjoy watching them. I think especially this year I'm enjoying them on this level of I can watch something that has nothing to do with, like, the disaster of, like, the mm. world. And, like, it's just this, like, even if it's this, like, false optimism, it, like, it's really just fun to watch people get out there and try their best and win medals. Yeah. So. I guess I feel like this year more than ever, though, that's, like, such a complicated location that is, like, inherently political. Well, they do keep bringing up the yeah. whole Korea thing. And, like, it was a little bit entertaining to watch... Kim Jong-un's sister kind of have this look on her face when the the U.S. team walked in, like she smelled mm. something really bad. <laughs> but, um, no, but I mean, so like, I just, I don't know. I feel like there's something fun about just being like, okay, I'm going to turn on mm-hmm. the Olympics. And like, it feels so kind of old fashioned and like quaint in a way of like, we still care about these people like once yeah. every four years and like we can pretend that we're really into ski jumping and like, you know, figure skating and all that stuff. And like, I don't know, I've just been enjoying watching I'm glad it, so. that you are. Yeah. <laughs> I think I'm too cynical yeah. for it, but maybe <laughs> I probably watched some figure skating. I mean, that takes me back. 
I've been watching the team mm. event. Um, it's pretty good. The U.S. is not dominant in hmm. figure skating. I will say that. Oh, I did hear a story the other day um, about the Jamaica, female Jamaican bobsled team. I'll probably tune in for that if I remember that they have a team for the first time. <laughs> Are yeah. they Jamaican? I thought they were from Africa. I'm pretty sure that it's Jamaican because they on the radio were playing cool runnings like clips from it to make a comparison. Well, I thought they were Nigerian. Well, I mean, there's probably those too, but um, yeah, yeah, this is their first women's bobsled team. Oh, well, that's mm-hmm. really exciting. I never watch bobsled, but maybe I should. I think I'm just gonna watch. I, really I think I'm just gonna watch cool runnings, but but if I catch it, I will also watch that. <laughs> yeah. Um, I usually just end up watching whatever they put yeah. on primetime because it's like trying to hunt down all the different channels and viewing experiences yeah. otherwise is like, yeah. Um, they're playing it um, at work in the like lunchroom area all day. So I'll probably watch see, whatever See, I was hoping they would do that because lunch. they had a beer pong tournament at work huh. the other day wow. as like our Olympics. Okay. And like, I was like, but you didn't even put the Olympics <laughs> on. Weird. So this isn't like... I just, like, went home because I was, like, I don't want to play mm-hmm. beer pong um, and become antisocial at work. But, uh, yeah, so I guess I would say... Watch the Olympics? Watch the Olympics. <laughs> <laughs> don't really that need to say fair. much more than that. Um, okay, so next week we've got... Um, uh, shoot. Oh, I, I had it. I have up. it. Uh, is, is it yeah. the initiative? It is, which is exciting. Yeah. Yes, finally, the initiative. <sighs> yeah, Buffy and, um, is going to, I think, get the, to a pretty sweet spot for at least for a minute. Yeah, and then Angel is... Um, the bachelor party. Is what? The bachelor party. Okay. Oh, wait, okay. The only thing I remember about this is it's the same actor yes. who played the, <laughs> the, the like, faux uh, priest guy when Buffy was in Anne yeah. when she goes to L.A. Yeah. Um. Okay, so we didn't do teams last time, but... Oh my god, you're right. Yeah, but this week... <laughs> oh, well, I would have been Team Cordelia. Yeah, I think um, I'm going to follow up on an earlier part of our discussion, and this week I think I'm Team Riley. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> I think I'm just going to be Team Willow for moral support. Yeah, I uh, I guess that but too, I but... Support your, yeah. I support your Riley. Um, yeah, I want Willow oh god, to... I can't believe we forgot that. Enjoy her wallow moment, you know, so. Yeah. All right. And I'll talk to you next week. Yeah. (laughs) All right. Bye. Bye. Once More with Commentary is produced by me, Allie. And me, Ginny. Our theme music is from the album Rockingham by Nerf Herder. And our podcast logo is by Ryan Cooney. You can email us at scoobies at oncemorewithcommentary.com with any feedback, questions, comments that you have. And find us on Twitter and Instagram at omwcpodcast. You can also find our most recent episodes and any show notes at oncemorewithcommentary.com.